Hello and welcome to another episode of Not Too Deep. I'm your host, Grace Helbig. Very excited to have rapper, comedian, podcaster, and all-around anime enthusiast, Open Mike Eagle, on today's episode. We talk about his start in rap in Chicago to Los Angeles, getting into the UCB and comedy world and infusing comedy into his rap, realizing that that might have gone a little too far and redirecting. We also uh, talk about his new podcast network, Stony Island Audio, and he gives me one of the most enticing uh, descriptions of anime uh, that I've ever heard that might actually get me to watch anime. So please enjoy this extremely delightful episode of Not Too Deep with Open Mike Eagle. Open Mike Eagle, do you prefer to be called that? <laughs> That's a lot of syllables. You can use any of those that you want. You can pick one. Okay, great. Uh, I'll vary it throughout this entire That's episode. Fun. That keeps me <laughs> on my toes. I like that. Well, first of all, I want to know, um, because you're such a, a multifaceted artist in so many ways, how do you describe your artistry? I, I like to tell people I'm like primarily known as a rapper because mm-hmm. I feel like that's the way most people have heard of me. But then I just list off whatever other stuff is in the front of my mind at the time. Okay. So right now it would be like podcaster, uh, comedy adjacent and, and TV stuff because I'm trying to sell TV right. stuff. So it's in the front of my mind, even though I'm currently not on TV. Right, right, right. But when it happens, we'll know that it wasn't just some random event, that it's been a long time coming. It wasn't it wasn't overnight. It was a lot of a lot of difficult pitches. I'm sure uh, those are always the most fun ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to know how how you got here. You uh, studied psychology, mm-hmm. right? And then, but you were uh, raised in Chicago. Yeah. How did you enter into music, into rap, into entertainment at all? Well, I started rapping in high school, uh, okay. just as like. Uh, I guess you want to say hobby, but it was really like a lifestyle thing for like mm-hmm. me and my friend group at the time. Like we just discovered the active hip hop community on the South side of Chicago. And when I say active, these are people who were like getting together every day and freestyling, getting together every day and like graffiti bombing trains, yeah. getting together every day and practicing breakdancing, even though none of us had any idea <laughs> of what we were doing. There was, a, there was a lot of injury, a lot of risk of, of jail. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of getting on people's nerves, rapping badly on trains, really, wow. really loud. But that, you know, like that was our lifestyle. Um, mm-hmm. We kind of built our social selves around that. And yeah. um, I excelled at the rap part. Like okay. the other things I wasn't so great at, but I was really good <laughs> at I the mean, rapping. Yeah. How was that just a natural talent for you or is that something that you found a deep interest in? And so you're like, I'm going to cultivate this. Well, the thing about rap is that everybody sucks at first. Like there's nobody whose first public rap is great. It's always bad because nobody knows what they're doing at first. And there's a lot of stuff you have to learn, you know, in the 10,000 hours thing, you just kind of have to dig into it and find breath control and find vocabulary and, and mm. find enunciation and then there's the there's the street corner kind of rapping there's the rapping on a microphone that you do in the studio yeah. there's rapping on stage it's all very different and um i excelled at the street corner thing and being able to come up with stuff off the top of my head i was really good at mm-hmm. um 
And there was kind of this pathway of if you were a good, if you were a good enough rapper to entertain people, to battle people, to freestyle at shows, there was this kind of like career path to making music and having, you know, small record labels put it out and see if you could make a career of it. Mm. And so when I moved to LA uh, in 2004, like that was in the back of my head. Like I know people out in LA who are independent underground artists who mm -hmm. freestyle in the street, the same as me, but they also have careers. Right. So um, part of me coming out here, I had in the back of my head is I was going to find out how to do that. Mm, okay. So you move out here with the idea that, uh, you you want to get into the rap industry, but was that kind of like a I'm going to try a little bit of everything at the same time? Um, I mean, I didn't know what to try, you mm -hmm. know, like I came out here and I learned like the real basic stuff on like how to get like a CD pressed up, you know, yeah, like I, yeah. I, I knew how to, you know, make a song. But then like, OK, I have six songs now. What do I do? Like I knew. Right you know, where to go to get the insert made and where to go to get the jewel case made. And you, you know, you order these things and they only come in like shipments of a thousand. So you'd have like <laughs> this giant box of CDs that really nobody wants in the beginning. But then you learn to call Amoeba and say like, hey, I'm with the underground local rap guys and I got this guy and that guy on my album. Want any of these? Yeah, we'll take three. <laughs> you know wow. what I'm saying? Like you do that, you call Amoeba, you call Rasputin uh, records up and down. Uh -huh. uh, California, like those places uh, were places that you could go take your stuff and put it in retail. I learned how to like book shows, you yeah. know, and like call and find out where the rap weekly was happening in town. And they would, you know, they would, if you were passing through, they put you on if you were impressive. So like wow. that was the kind of stuff I learned how to do through direct experience. Mm -hmm. But then it became quickly apparent to me that the market I was in was shrinking very fast. Mm. everyone was moving away from CDs too. So like the revenue was getting way, way, way little. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Way little. Um, and so like my mind was opening up to like, what, like what can I do to get in front of more people? Cause right mm. now I'm just like rapping in empty rooms and I'm rapping for a lot of rappers and they don't really care. Yeah. You know, they're all like <laughs> arms folded waiting yeah. for their turn, you know? Uh -huh. um, so I kind of peeped um, here in LA, UCB, mm. um, you know, they have their ASCAT show. I don't know. Did you do yeah. an improv and all that? Yeah, I did it in New yeah. York and I've done ASCAT before out here in the very way before times, years and years ago. And yeah, it's a, so you just out of curiosity went into this improv theater and started seeing what was happening there. Well, I used to go to see shows there occasionally yeah. But there was one time I went and saw ASCAT and they had a musical monologist. So oh, they just cool. had somebody doing their songs. And then, of course, they were making sketches off of the context behind the songs. And I'm like, I got to do that. Yeah. You know, I want to do that. So I figured <laughs> out how to do it, which was just really as easy as asking. Could I? <laughs> <laughs> this seems to be a common theme here yeah. is just getting up the courage to ask someone. Yeah, a lot of cold emails. Yeah. Like, I really could have shrunk all this down and said, I've gotten where I've gotten by lots of cold emails. Um, but yeah, I did that once. And like the experience I had doing my songs in front of that crowd yeah, and how they were like listening and engaging and they were laughing at the parts that I thought was funny. You yeah. know, like yeah. that, that was a whole different experience to what I had been doing. And mm. then my mind just shifted to like, how can I stay in front of these people? 
Like mm. who else will let me do their show? Um, and then I, that kind of started this whole kind of parallel path, like in and around the comedy stuff and, and just a bunch of stuff opened up from there. Interesting. So when you're uh, you're shifting to this kind of like new audience that's listening really intently to, you know, the the ideas in your music, did that shift the way that you started making music? Yeah, for a time, I noticed that after that, my music got kind of corny. Yeah, were you were you now making like comedy music and then all of a sudden you find out you're Weird Al one day? You're yeah, like, what am like, I doing? I, I did get to that crossroads, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Where like, I always wrote songs from premises, but I noticed that I started to write premises that were a little bit more like outright comedic. Mm. Where like, I'm, I'm trying to be funny. Sure. Um, and I did those songs a couple times on shows, like on comedy shows. And I was like, this is not, this isn't good. Like, yeah. I, cause I, I, what I ultimately began to understand is that part of the strength of, or part of what's interesting about me doing a comedy show is that I provide a contrast, mm-hmm. you know, like people are laughing, but then I can do something that's, that can uh, communicate an idea to people or paint a picture, but it doesn't necessarily have to be funny to feel like it's part of the show. Sometimes right. it's additive if I'm taking the show somewhere completely different from my 10 or 15 minutes and then it goes back to comedy. Or maybe they put me at the end of the show. It's just kind of like a, a way to cap it, you know? Right. But I did have that, yeah. I, I, there was a <laughs> there was a time there where I was I was definitely writing punchline punchlines and I was yeah. like, mm, And then know. you're like, this is no longer for me anymore. This yeah. is for the audience. And then you lose a little bit of yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And then I was, I was taking those same songs on my rap tours and that was a disaster. Was it? <laughs> it was a disaster. I'm like rapping in Vegas at like a nickel beer night in a bag of a place. And like, people, I mean, like people are like, stop making jokes. <laughs> you know it was, it was bad. Always bad. good for your self-worth and your <laughs> confidence all the time. Um, well, your your newest release is Anime, Trauma, and Divorce. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. talk to us about this. How did this come about? This came out last year. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Take us through the process of making this. Um, I mean, you know, I was writing an album about uh, Black people in anime because I yeah. thought that's this interesting overlap that has always persisted in uh, every walk of my life, but then uh-huh. I went through a lot of personal stuff mm-hmm. and I was having really big unwieldy feelings that I didn't know what to do with. And my therapist was like, Hey, you have like an outlet. <laughs> you like have a thing <laughs> that yeah. you can use to help you process feelings. And people don't have that. Like most people who have big feelings, they have nothing, you know, and right. then they start you know, scribbling on paper. Uh, and, here's a journal I started, yeah, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Like I had an outlet and I wasn't using it to process my personal stuff. So I kind of pivoted at that point and made it about um, what I was going through. And that was a new, that was a mm. new way of doing things for me. And how, I mean, going, using your, you know, personal stories and struggles and triumphs and putting them into uh, to your art and releasing that, were you nervous? Was that? Very. Yeah. It was terrifying. Yeah. How, I mean, and the, like the reviews and everyone, the feedback seems to be wonderful. Like what was that experience like for you? Yeah, it was weird. Cause you know, I, I've been putting out albums, you mm-hmm. know, for 10 years and like, 
my brain and my body like knows, okay, you, you know, you announce the album, you put out the single and you push, 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 you know, yeah. and you, you try to just keep the machine going. Um, but with this stuff, like some of this stuff was sensitive and it just yeah. felt really weird and anxiety inducing to like put pieces of myself out there like that for one. Mm-hmm. And two, to kind of be trying to like run them through the machine. Like it's like just another song. Like, there ain't just another song. Yeah. Like, it's a little piece of me in there. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, like I don't, I don't necessarily. And that's the thing is I didn't necessarily, and I still came out of it, not knowing how to treat it differently when it's mm-hmm. more personal. Um, and, you know, like, I think that when most of the reviews were pretty positive, but the ones that were negative certainly affected me more because I'm sure. more pissed off. Like, wait, wait a minute. You're talking about me as a person. <laughs> yeah, you can't, this is... you can't do that. Like, you're yeah, commenting on me, not even right. my art anymore. Yeah, right. This is this is a human being rating at this point. You can't do that. That's not nice. It's so interesting. Um, and it is so so cool and fascinating that your therapist was a bit of a you know the push behind Mm -hmm. like put it in your art you have an outlet uh which probably makes it more authentic but also at the same time incredibly scary to put it back out to the actual public feels like you're airing your therapy sessions for everyone (laughs) yes yes you know and there's real people involved in my stories and Mm -hmm. like you know i came to find a lot of them were nervous too because they didn't know what i was going to say right 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 and i didn't you know it was never about like details of things it was really more just about like exploring feelings mm-hmm. so you know and ne- it was never a, like a salacious thing or anything um you know like that it's just more about like yeah using, it wasn't yeah not exploiting but like mm-hmm. exploring 100 Ex- yeah 100%. i get that i um, wish you were i wish you were around when i wrote the press release i would have put that <laughs> Right in the middle. We're doing some uh, backwards marketing <laughs> plans for this, uh, the second release of this. Um, okay, you you talk about anime. You're a big anime fan. Yeah. yeah. I okay. I I know of anime. I <laughs> I, I, I don't. I, that's about as much as I know. I'm curious how how do you how do you describe anime to someone like me, or how do you? What are the the coolest things that draw mm. you to that? Um, what I, I like to tell people um, in terms of what draws me to it, and I think this resonates with people, mm-hmm. is that in anime stories, like the storytelling, especially like the ones that I enjoy most, they put characters in situations that are so um, extreme, mm-hmm. but like grounded in a reality that it really pushes them to places like psychologically that you just don't see you don't see those types of spaces explored you know and 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 it'll be like okay there's this one show called tokyo ghoul yeah i was gonna say give uh, give some recommendations if you have them tokyo ghoul okay tokyo ghoul so in tokyo ghoul and i'm gonna have to spoil the first episode a little but it's just (laughs) this is i think a selling point for anime as, as a whole yeah um you start out following this kid uh this kid he's he's in high school he's got this other buddy and it's like you know these guys and they like girls but they're like real awkward and you know like they're just talking about all the girls they wish they could talk to they don't know how to talk they have have no they don't know the first thing 
about how to talk to a woman and they're very lonely and but they're, okay. they're nice. They're not like angry. You know, they're like yeah. nice, okay. sweet, lonely boys. Um, Got it. Uh, the, the guy we're following, there's a girl in his class that he likes and somehow like they end up they end up like going to like study for like st- I think it's something like they're, they they go for coffee or something like in the middle mm-hmm. of the day, I think, or maybe right after school. Well, maybe it's supposed to be like a study thing or something. Okay. Uh, but he really likes her. And, and, and they're like walking after the coffee. And, and he's like, I really like you. And he like stumbles and, you know, says yeah. it like falls out of his mouth. And she's like, I really like you too. And it's like this really nice moment. <laughs> yeah. And then she tries to eat him. <laughs> she tries to eat him right there, like in an alley. Like she like takes her skin off and tries to oh. eat him. Because in this world, there are people called, there are beings called ghouls that look just like you and me. They look like humans, but they can oh. only survive by eating other people. And so they secretly go out and do this every night. And wow. you don't know who's a ghoul and who's not. Um, wow. And so in this attempted eating, it's uh-huh. not successful. Like so she gets stopped midway through. Uh-huh. Um, he like becomes a ghoul. <gasps> I mean, he doesn't want to be like he's been living right. a normal life. And suddenly he can only eat people. Uh, and, you, and you get to watch this slowly change who he is over the course of like this 12, 13 episode first season. Wow. You know, it's really something. I mean, there's so much metaphor mm-hmm. and there's so much like symbolism of like the human experience yes. and like how we exist. I see the appeal yeah, of this. You know, and, and they, they get to, there's just like no limits to the places they can explore and like mm-hmm. in, in a really high quality way. Yeah. You know, and, and I like to me, that's the strength of it is like when I watch a lot of American television, the situations people are in, they're just like too normal. Yeah, you know? it's not as imaginative as it could be. Yeah, so I don't get the character depth. I don't get yeah. the exploration that I'm looking for. Oh, that's very cool. Well, I will have to check that out um, because I'm sold. I love anything that has some like psychological thrilling aspect to go. it. Yeah, I give you a bunch of psychological thrilling anime. Love it. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, I have uh, a bunch more questions for you. Surprise, okay. surprise. So we'll be right back with more Not Too Deep. No. No, no, no. Hello listeners, Grace Helbig here, wanting to say two things. A big thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, If you're a regular listener, if this is your first time listening, welcome and thank you. And uh, second thing, if you are enjoying yourself here in this not-too-deep world we've built and you'd like to leave us a review, that would be so wonderful. If you can go to the iTunes store, the App Store, and leave us a lovely little review comment. How are you feeling? Good, bad, otherwise? Maybe just good or otherwise would be appreciated. Other than that, enjoy the podcast. Okay, we're back, and I, uh, you've just launched a podcast network yep. mm-hmm. uh, called Stony Island Audio. Tell us about this. Uh, so Stony Island Audio launched in 2020, uh, mm-hmm. and it's a network that I am at the helm of. It's mostly about giving platforms to like people inside of hip-hop mm. to tell their own stories and shape their own narratives. Most of us... Um, kind of are at the behest of, of, of PR or at the behest of 
you know, the magazines, the press, and in, in terms of how they are looked at, yeah. how they are shaped, where people put them uh, in society. So, you know, I just really wanted to um, give a platform for people inside of hip hop and connect with other shows who are kind of already doing that work and kind of put us all under one umbrella so we can fly one flag. I love that. How has it been going so far? Because it launched last year. It's been really great. Uh, we just uh, launched season two of our flagship show, which is called What Had Happened Was, mm-hmm. where I sit with like a, a a popular luminary producer in hip hop and we discuss their entire career over one season. I do 12, wow. 12 interviews. And you're with LP this season? LP from Run the Jewels. Uh, That's Company incredible. Flow, Definitive Jumps. Yep. Have there been anything or any conversations that have truly surprised you? I feel like every one of them surprises me in one way or another, just because the artistic process is yeah. so um, it's it's all headcanon for people. Like when you're a fan of an album, like mm-hmm. you can only imagine what was in somebody's mind when they wrote a song or what or when they did this album sequence this way or they put this on the cover art. So like when you actually ask them, it's just so rarely lines up with what you thought was happening. That mm. literally every every episode of that show with him especially is a surprise. Like I there's I've I've made up too much of what I believe his motivations <laughs> to be in my own mind. And yeah. to ask the man is is to have those those notions destroyed. <laughs> and replaced with hopefully uh more profound realities. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and more more real realities so, though, because that's yeah. the part that like you just don't think about. Like this is a person living yeah. life and you know he like like you know uh lp was in new york in 1996 and his life was this and his mom lived over here and you know like and, and you just don't have that context so it's just so interesting to hear it from his own his own face that's so cool and that season just launched right yeah just yesterday episode one came out uh and i don't know when people are going to be hearing this but uh it just came out march 31st nice how many podcasts are you currently working on um, so on my network, there are five shows, but I'm okay. only doing that one at the moment. Um, gotcha. And then I have a, a, another one in the works. And, um, yeah, and I'm always looking to grow the network. You're going to do a hip hop podcast, Grace? Is that what you, is, that, is, this, is this a pitch? Is if you pitch? need someone that knows absolutely nothing, but okay. has genuine curiosity about oh. human beings and their experiences, okay. I am available. <laughs> we'll, we'll put that to a beat. It'll be great. There you go. I have a microphone. Here we go. <laughs> Um, you also uh, have a Patreon, Southside Secret Club, mm-hmm. and it seems really cool because uh, I imagine it's just me assuming that you're exploring uh, different artistic endeavors over there. Yeah, and exploring a lot of the context behind my own stuff. Mm. So, like, I like show people in my Patreon like a lot of demos of, of of songs, and maybe they've been hearing for years, but they never heard the original version or they never sure. heard this, this secret version or that version. And, and then just like kind of writing out what songs are about. Like I make playlists for them. I put, I, I did a wrestling match <gasps> and there's a documentary about it. And I put you that, did, that whole uh, thing in there. I like, did a real, uh, you, you wrestled. I, I wrestled. I did. <laughs> I did a wrestling. I know. Cause the first time I saw you perform was years ago at mm-hmm. the WWE uh, WrestleMania. I was way too drunk to be in that situation (laughs) (laughs) because the the whole thing, the whole context as a whole WrestleMania is one giant fever dream. And so your your sense of reality is totally gone. That was New Um, Orleans, wasn't it? 
And then you're in New Orleans on oh, top of on, that, man. which we were is drunk also when we got off the plane. Like, <laughs> no, it's <laughs> in your veins. Yeah. Um, are you still a wrestling fan? You know what? I stopped watching WWE like the year after that because. Um, yeah, I've fallen off too. Well, to me, it's like political because they brought yeah. Hulk Hogan back and like, you know, yeah. he's he's he says the N word a lot yeah. and he means it when he says yeah. it. I'm like, I don't want to see that guy. Yeah, there's got to be some consequences. You know, so I stopped watching until um, either he passes away or Vince does. That's my personal decree. There you go. And I feel like those guys, unfortunately, might live for fucking ever. It seems like it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what kind of vaccines they're getting that right. keep them alive forever. But uh, um, OK, I'm going to now ask you the two questions mm-hmm. I ask every single guest that is on uh, the podcast. And the first is who alive or dead would you most like to throw cold spaghetti at? Oh, I mean, we're on Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Because <laughs> this is the thing now, like I could throw it at him and like just run a little bit and he couldn't catch me. I, didn't, I wouldn't yeah. even have to go top speed. You know? No, he, those knees don't work the oh, way they used bad. to. The knees and the back, all of that is bad news, man. <laughs> I think it's a great answer. Um, okay. The other question I ask every guest is to tell us your worst pants shooting incident. Uh-huh. Or like um, a bathroom close call scenario, but you can only use three words or three small phrases to describe the incident. So, for example, mine is a college jogging front lawn. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, let me see if this counts or not. Um, uh, sound check. Okay. Uh. One pair of pants only <laughs> went to Target immediately. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank gosh for a conveniently located Target. Yeah, it was, it was, I don't know how I psychologically survived that. I don't know yeah. how I did it. I don't even know how I did it. Oh, I'm sorry to have rehashed that terrible memory for you. Uh, now we have a bit of a new section on the podcast here where it's called Deep or Hot. And you can basically choose to answer a deep question that mm-hmm. we've prepared for you. Uh, or you can give us a hot take on something that might be bothering you or something that you currently want to get off your chest. I'm going to go the deep question because that seems easier. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The deep question for you is without music or comedy, who are you? Oh, um... Without music or comedy, I am a guy who thinks entirely too much, uh, <laughs> just sits and just has the deepest thoughts and it, and has nothing. You can't do anything with him. You know, <laughs> it's just thinking about stuff uh-huh. that he could do or he should have did <laughs> yeah. or stuff that he's really convinced about. But there's no way for him to test, you know, just living <laughs> in my own mind. And and I'm probably by myself because I've I, if I don't if I haven't done music or comedy that means I haven't done anything I haven't yeah. done anything. I yeah, haven't yeah. done nothing. I have no social identity you know I'm just yeah, a guy same here yeah same here well what are you um are you watching anything currently uh what am I watching I just got through watching um the last season of Twin Peaks the one that came out a few years oh, ago oh I haven't um, seen it oh it's so good it's so good but it's so good. it's so just for me and people like me who like stuff like that yeah because yeah, if yeah. you don't like stuff like that you will not like this yeah you will not <laughs> like this show 
there's this one scene in this last season uh-huh. where it's just five minutes of somebody mopping. <laughs> just five minutes? Just five minutes of somebody <laughs> mopping. And like, I loved it. But then you? there's lots of people who did not like that at all. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, the, and I, yeah, I don't know where I would land on the spectrum of like versus dislike on that. Uh, how is this last year? Because it feels like you've set up a lot of like podcasts and you've been, I've seen videos of you kind of setting up your at home studio and that type of thing. Uh, how has this last year helped you kind of like focus in on more of the podcast stuff? Have you just been kind of like setting up all the equipment, getting a handle on all that? Yeah, you know, I was lucky enough to have the first season of what had happened was that I did with Prince Paul. I had that mm-hmm. in the can um, before the world fell apart. Um, so a lot of my energy uh, in the pandemic in terms of trying to set stuff up has been like I've I started building computers. Really? Yeah. And like learning how to like edit video, like that yeah. kind of stuff. Like I just I've always envisioned having like this kind of like video space in my place. And I've finally been able to like put that together and get, yeah. get a good camera and learn software. So like that's one a skill set that I definitely sharpened um in the pandemic was being able to like wrap my head around the tech and the mm-hmm. and at least entry level, you know, video editing skill. Cool. Yeah. I love enough to like feel a little bit more independent on mm-hmm. all of it. Mm-hmm. The do you play video games? I play so many video games. <laughs> I play so many video games. Well, when is when are you gonna become a Twitch streamer? Is that in you know, the future? Okay, so this is the thing about Twitch. I feel like I should have did Twitch two years ago. Yeah. Because now, like, all I can think about is how people are always saying uh, Twitch is hitting people with copyright strikes for music. Oh, interesting. And that's all I'd want to do is play video games and, like, play music. Yeah. You know, and, like, that would, that's the sweet spot. Like, that's what would make it easy. If I got to play video games in silence and I just have to, like, oh. talk about it, like, I don't want to <laughs> do that. You know, like, so I, I, I feel like in some ways I've missed, missed the Twitch boat. But, okay. you know, that is, I, I do need to I do need to try it before I am convinced of that. But if you're playing video games and playing your music in the background, is that a way to circumvent the. Nope. Oh, really? Yeah, they won't let like you do that's, that? Well, it's not. Wow, see, I didn't okay, know that. This is this is the problem. Mm-hmm. That entire system of red flags from platforms and yeah. what triggers a red, the red flags are. um it's from the dis- the distributors of the music. Oh, like, okay. There's like these digital things that trigger stuff, trigger DMCA notices on YouTube, on Twitch, on Instagram, even now. Like it's yeah. in the music. And wow. so like, I, I, run, I, you know, even though I put my records out through my own label, mm-hmm. I can't turn that switch off from my distributor. Wow. So like, I don't even have permission necessarily to stream my own stuff unless I like write them a letter. I had no idea. Yeah. It's really, it's really complicated and weird and and just very automated. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, yeah, there's, it's so complex. Yeah. Um, But what everybody just gives up because it's too complex. (laughs) What video games do you play? I'm an Overwatch fanatic. Okay. I play lots and lots of Overwatch. 
My son has gotten me into Fortnite, even though okay. I refuse to play it for many years. I am like <laughs> fully in it now. Now, why did you refuse at first? Because I don't like the idea of having to build things before I shoot people. That is <laughs> that was a weird notion for me for a long time. Like, why am I why am I crafting? I don't want to craft. <laughs> it's weird. But it's actually it's it's really engaging and the game for the most part is kind of peaceful. Yeah. Even yeah. though you're murdering people, you know, it's like you put a podcast on and and make a box to hide in. You yeah. know? Yeah, it's good. It's what what, what I wish I could do in real life. I didn't realize there was so much DIY in Fortnite. (laughs) Sounds. I feel like maybe I could get into it then if it's just like building things. It is. You come out very handy. Okay. Okay. Well, good to know. Um, All right. We're going to take one last break. When we get back, I have uh, a few questions uh, from listeners and viewers that need some help and guidance. That sounds great. We'll be right back with more Not Too Deep. Okay, let's get into these questions that have been submitted. Uh, Someone has written, Soon I will be officially moving out of my parents' house into a proper solo adult apartment of my own and on the other side of the country, and I am vaguely, read, very terrified. Do you have any advice on settling into a new, unfamiliar space? What do you think they're scared about? I think, well, I think a lot of these questions uh the the core like issue is like certainty versus uncertainty mm. you know how we have our routines and we have like our little rituals that we set up for ourselves and you know this last year especially that like mm-hmm. anything you had planned or thought of or even didn't know that you had been like unconsciously thinking you might do because it's right. so normal it gets disrupted and then it throws off your whole ability to like find do grounding stuff. for yeah. yourself but I think, I mean, if you're moving out of an unfamiliar space into a brand new space, I'm trying to think back on the times I've done that. It's always been terrifying. But then identifying a little bit that the fear is like excitement in a way. Yeah. But like, why are they moving? If like, do they, I might have missed that in there. They are moving out of their parents' house oh, their into, parents house. yeah, into their own, their first solo oh, come adult on. But you gotta, apartment. You gotta want to do, you gotta want to <laughs> yeah. do that, right? Yeah. Like, you got this, there's so many like obvious benefits. Yes, 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 yes. And like, and so like, even if, you know, the neighborhood's unfamiliar, uh-huh. you can like be an adult now. Yeah. You know, you can like eat ice cream whenever you want. You Isn't know, that the best? Yeah, you can you can leave <laughs> you can leave the toilet paper oriented whichever way you like. Yeah, you know, like maybe mom <laughs> always wanted it to roll, you know, this way, and you want like you just there's so much experimentation. All I can think of is how fun that would be. Totally, and like the alternative is what you stay living in your parents' place, which yeah, doesn't sound fine. Also, not. like the first time I moved out uh, of uh, you know college into New York. I didn't have anywhere near the amount of modern tech conveniences mm. that we have now. So like you still have all of the conveniences of delivery services and like neighborhood apps yeah. that help yeah. you like get uh, oriented to the place that you're living in that I never had. So it feels like you got a lot on your side. Yeah, I think I think this one this one's going to I'm sure there's some fear, but there's yeah. got to be excitement there as well. Totally. Um, okay, 
The, someone's asking, uh, how do you tell a family member that they are not a good enough singer to be in the show? I feel like the person booking the show will tell them whether or not <laughs> they are a good enough singer to be in said show. Have you ever had to say to put someone down gently that wanted to collaborate with you or wanted to, you know, work on a yeah, show or anything? I've I've I mean. Okay, so there's a lot of collaboration potential in rap music. And yeah. um, especially in the last couple of years, I've definitely started to have to like say when I wasn't feeling a song that sure. somebody wanted me on or wasn't feeling that person's, you know, what they were doing mm-hmm. on the mic. Because a lot of times now, like I'm not the most popular person in the world, but sometimes if people are reaching out to me, it's because they want, a little bit more visibility on this song, which means that now I have to think about it like, oh, people are going to hear this. (laughs) (laughs) So, so like, there was a time when I wouldn't have had that conversation, but like, you know, the last couple of years I've had to have it, you know? Yeah. Do you have a method or technique of uh, politely declining an offer or anything? Well, what I'll typically do is I'll ask the person if it's okay that I give them some advice or a suggestion. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. And if they're open to it, then we can have the conversation. And I've never run into a situation where they weren't open to it. But if they weren't, then that'd be an easy out for me not to do it. You know? (laughs) Yeah. But I also think that that is um, such an overlooked but like critical idea of asking if someone would like your feedback rather than giving unsolicited kind of notes on something. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because that, yes, I've, I've been on the other end of that, too, where like somebody's, I don't like this. Well, who asked you? OK, someone is asking, um, I just turned 25. I'm in grad school. I want to be great at something. Not good, but great. But mm. I don't know what I can be great at. How do I find something if I'm not strongly passionate or attached to any one thing? That's a big problem. Yeah. I mean, how do you find when you find like that you're like in the moments you said when you started realizing like some of your your music was, you know, punchlines for the sake of punchlines, Mm -hmm. like did it take a real moment for you to like reflect and figure out like how to reconnect to the thing that made you feel happy or full about what you were making? Well, you know, I I had the benefit of doing what I was doing in front of people. Yeah. Like I had to process their reactions. And mm. so it became very apparent to me, like, oh, this thing that I've started doing because it worked for these people isn't working over here. And I, and honestly, there's something wrong with this, mm. you know? Yeah. And so, uh, it, yeah, it, it just took a second for me to kind of readjust my aims, like my targets, like my mm-hmm. goals inside yeah. of the music. Um, but this, this problem sounds harder because... If you're going to be great at something, you have to like it enough to be bad at it at first. Oh, yeah. That's right? very you true. Really yeah. Like it because you, you're never going to just start and be good. Yeah. You know, so yeah. if, you're, if you don't have that thing where you like, I need this, uh-huh. then how do you get through that first phase? Yeah. And there's I mean, I don't know the full context of this person's mm-hmm. um, situation, but I wonder, too, if like the when you tell yourself, I'm not really passionate about anything, you haven't given yourself permission to investigate something that mm-hmm. you could fail at. Right. 
right? Maybe maybe that's part of it is like the fear of failure, meaning it it's it's stopping them from even liking anything too much. Right, 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 right. Because uh, I find myself in that sometimes where I'm like, do I what do I like doing? Versus like, what am I afraid of doing badly? Mm. And it's a different kind of conversation to have with yourself. Absolutely. And and those are those are the kind of conversations you have to have when you want to do something, especially if it's creative. Yeah. You know, you kind of have to. But usually there's like this, there's this voice. There's something in you that gets excited about a thing, mm-hmm. you know? And then like, that's kind of the voice you got to follow. Even just being more like for sure. You're going to suck at first. Yeah. And that's fine because yeah. everybody does. Yeah. And you just have to, ex- I mean, it's easier to uh, hear than to accept. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess it comes with trial and error. Are you a goal setting person? Do you set like uh, resolutions or goals for yourself every year? No, not really. Um, yeah. I just, I just kind of always know what I have to do next. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, like, you know, in music, you have to be preparing the next album or the next project. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. with TV stuff, it's like, what's the next idea that I want to try to get off the ground? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, yeah. and, it's, and I don't know, like, because of that, there's kind of a natural rhythm for me mm-hmm. where I feel like, OK, this is what I need to be working on right now, you know, versus like, oh, the year changed. Let me readjust. Like right. That. But I do see I can see the benefit of that, too. It just has never it's never been the kind of person I am. No, me either. I, I don't do resolutions um, because it, I say that I'm like this. It doesn't feel like the this connects with me just because like the a calendar has changed. Yeah, and now like, suddenly it just feels right. artificial motivation in a yeah, way. It's going to take me a while to even remember it's New Year. So like, I, I shouldn't tie <laughs> yeah. a goal to that, you know? <laughs> exactly. Um, can you tell us any other potential future stuff that's coming up for you? Um. I mean, everything has been about this podcast right now. So I'm really pushing that. And I'm always, like I said, first season was Prince Paul. This season's mm-hmm. LP. I'm always got my eye on like who the next person would be. And it's, yeah. it's interesting because you have to have a person who's done enough different stuff to justify sitting down with him 12 times. Wow, <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm saying? And, like, yeah. and unpacking things. So um, there will for sure be another season after this. And, and right now, I'm trying to figure out, you know, who that person is. Nice. Um, well, we've reached the end of our podcast, but before you go, we like to give our guests a um, personalized horoscope uh, from us to you that Melissa just threw in the chat if you would Ooh. like to read it out loud for everyone. Okay, I will do that right now. Okay. Dear Scorpio, Scorpion of the Stars, as Messenger Mercury aligns with Pluto, you will feel intense energy to engage into deep and meaningful conversations. So if this interview sucked, that's on everyone else. Yay! Even the stars <laughs> say, pass the blame. There we go. It's not, it's not your fault. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, Open Mic Eagle, this has been so lovely to this catch up delightful. with you. Yeah, for sure. Where can people find you? Where can they find the music, the podcast, everything, the Patreon, all of it? Well, uh, I'm mostly present on the internet at Twitter, uh, at Mike underscore Eagle on Twitter. And then my website's on there, MikeEagle.net. And that has all of the portals to every part of me. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. And um, can't wait to see all of these TV projects pan out all at once. All over of the them. That's right. Of all of them. <laughs> and you're going to get it. 
executive producer credit for putting oh, that please. into the universe. And if you if you release another album and you want to talk through the marketing campaign for it, I'll be here. Don't I love worry. It. I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much. This has been so fun. Yeah, it's been awesome. We'll see you, you guys next time on another episode of Not Too Deep. Goodbye. Too deep. Too deep. Too deep. Not too deep. With Grace Helbig. Not Too Deep is a production of Grace Helbig Incorporated. Producer Melissa D. Montz. Edited by Shireen Lani Yunus. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. And an extra special thanks to Flula for the theme music. <laughs> <laughs>